You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Hey, let's talk about money. I want to show you how to keep more of your own money, and that's more important right now than ever. And how's this for starters? Skip your single biggest bill for the next two months. Of course, I'm talking about your house payment. Most of us have gotten used to living without that money. Just gets drafted right out of our account. But imagine now for a minute, if you didn't have to make your May payment, you didn't have to make your June payment. You're done until July 1st and come July 1st, you could say five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. We routinely help our podcast listeners get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. And I'm talking to you if you're in a 30 year loan. It's not a matter of if I can save you money. It's a matter of how much we've recently been able to help some podcast listeners get interest rates in the twos and threes. You know, you're paying more than that. Why would you do that? Keep more of your own money, pay your house off faster and get rid of all your credit card debt. Here's the worst part about credit card debt. Not only is the interest rate outrageous, but you can't write off any of that interest. Whereas the interest you pay on a mortgage is tax deductible. So if you could skip a couple of house payments, get a lower monthly payment, knock out all of your credit card debt and pay your house off faster, all at a greater tax deduction. Why wouldn't you do that? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. I know what you're thinking. You don't need perfect credit to do this. You don't need money out of your pocket to do this. And if I can't save you money, I won't waste your time. We're licensed in more than 40 States. So get yourself a quick quote right now. Make this the best summer ever. Take a little spring break from house payments at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And by the way, the national media may be telling you that some big lenders are requiring 700 credit scores with 20% down. Not the case at savewithconrad.com. We're still able to help families with credit scores in the 500s. We'd be glad to hook you up too at savewithconrad.com. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn right here on Westwood One. And of course, our host, the Hall of Famer himself, the founder of the Four Horsemen, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? Hanging in there, buddy. Doing good. Doing good. I uh, hope everybody out there is hanging in as well and uh, making the most of this bad situation we're in. Pull together. Thoughts and prayers go out to all those people that have hung out, hung in there, and uh, continued working. The first responders, all of our healthcare people, all the people with public transportation, the grocery store guys, you name it. Anybody who's hung in there to give us a semi-normal life, just again another thank you. Well, we thank you guys for tuning in this week. Well, we've been enjoying visiting uh, some more recent history here with you, Arn, and we're going to keep it on track today with Extreme Rules 2015. 
just five years ago, we're coming up on the five-year anniversary. It went down April 26th from the Allstate Arena in Rosemont. Draws 11,000 fans there on pay-per-view. There's 56,000 buys. Of course, this is separated uh, because this is still an era where the the network exists, but you can still buy the show on traditional pay-per-view. And it still shocks me that people are buying pay-per-view. What do you chalk that up to, Arn? In your opinion, I mean, are these just folks who, who don't know that they can get the network for $10 and it's just an impulse buy on their, on their cable clicker. Well, irregardless of public opinion, everybody is not on an iPad or a cell phone 24 seven. Right. A lot of people that work during the day that have, you know, jobs that demand their attention and they're kind of like me, they're used to buying pay-per-view. Maybe they wake up the day before, maybe that day, and they decide, okay, uh, we cut on TV and see if, if I can find that show. And, and there, you know, there's a lot more time that they have invested in that type of buying than going and getting the network and going through reading all those stipulations. They're wondering, okay, if I sign up for this, I got to keep it for a year, two years, six months. What's the deal? And, and a lot of people just don't feel like fooling with all that. They just go ahead and pay full price, get it on their big screen and, uh, go with it. Well, that's what they were doing here. As we said, uh, 56,000 buys again, the shows on the network, 140 countries We're coming right off of WrestleMania 31, which we've recently talked about. We saw Seth Rollins cash in the money in the bank contract against Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and uh, actually pin Roman to win the world title. We also saw John Cena beat Rusev to win the U S title and triple H get a win over sting that had a lot of us sort of scratching our head. Uh, let's talk about some news and notes as we head into this pay-per-view, uh, the WWE would announce that on April 7th, SmackDown will be moving from sci-fi to the USA network in the first quarter of 2016. And Meltzer would say the move is something of a surprise. since in the past USA had not wanted a second wrestling show. They've often said they only wanted one show and didn't want to be seen as the pro wrestling network. It's worth noting here that sci-fi was number 19 in the ratings for the week ending March 29th and without SmackDown should fall to number 24 USA is at number three, largely due to walking dead, moving AMC to number two and TBS being a strong number one due to the NCAA tournament, adding SmackDown is going to give the network a minor bump weekly on its weekly average. It could spell the difference in a close race. What do you guys hear sort of behind the scenes? Is there any heads up at all, or is it just business as usual for y'all? It doesn't really matter when you're moving networks like this from a producer standpoint. Well, it happened quite a bit, you know, in the 20 years I was there, you know, SmackDown moved around quite a bit. We knew that sci-fi was not a real strong network. Uh, So the potential there was was going to be limited. Um, It was on the right night of the week you know notoriously if you have the show on during the week you're going to have more people home friday night which everyone's finding out currently is not the right night to put on a wrestling show from eight to ten that's date night that's people out doing things it's family nights whatever people want to do but the thing is they're not home from eight to ten back then even being on a uh, smaller network like sci-fi it was on the right night at least. Let's, uh, let's talk about WrestleMania sort of on the heels 
of WrestleMania 31, Meltzer starts to speculate about next year's WrestleMania. And he says, when Dwayne Johnson and Triple H to that angle on SmackDown last year, it was with the understanding they would build to a match with either this year or next year at WrestleMania. Johnson's schedule wouldn't allow him to train for a match as he was been promoting Furious 7, but he was able to be at the show. Of course, we're talking about when Rock and Ronda Rousey uh, jumped in the ring together to sort of go nose to nose with Triple H and Stephanie. And Meltzer would say that's when Sting and Triple H became the idea with Triple H going over because they had agreed to do Rock versus Triple H the next year. It was separate from, but ended up being tied to the other idea of Ronda Rousey versus Stephanie McMahon. The plan as it was, and as best we can tell still is, is not for a mixed tag. The plan is for two singles matches, Triple H versus Rock and Ronda Rousey versus Stephanie. It's worth mentioning that we did get a variation of this. Instead of it being Ronda Rousey teaming with the rock, she's teaming with Kurt angle to take on triple H and Stephanie. Did you guys hear as, as we're sort of talking about the March to the next WrestleMania that, Hey, maybe rock is going to be in here and we'll split up this, this big face to face thing we had at 31 and they'll have singles matches at 32. I mean, that seems to be the direction we were headed based on the creative, right? Well, you would think so, but God, that's booking way out, isn't it? I mean, Two years? At least a year, yeah. Especially when Rock is the polarizing figure he is in Hollywood and all the opportunities that he has and he's fulfilling and all the movies he's doing in the course of a year. You had to know that the chance of something big coming up for him may pop up. I'm, I don't know. I, I know it's hard to replace, no disrespect to Kurt Angle, who's a tremendous athlete, performer, personality, star, whatever you want to say. But there's no replacing Rhonda and Rock. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of hard. To, I mean, nothing's in second place, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough spot for, for anybody to sort of step into and think they can pick up where The Rock left off. But I thought they did a great job in that match. I'm sure we'll talk about it another time. But that's Rhonda's first match. That's probably the best single match. I mean, that's probably the most quote unquote celebrity debut. And I know she's a real athlete. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying as far as a, a, a first timer, maybe the best debut ever at WrestleMania. Oh God. Yeah. And it, it is just sad. She's incredible. She's a natural, you know, if she wanted to win the world championships at uh, skipping rope or chin ups or climbing trees or whatever it was, she wanted to be the best at it. I'm pretty sure she could be the best at it. And the debut and to pull off what she did on her debut was incredible. And, you know, you got to attest, you know, that uh, Hunter did a great job with it. Stephanie did a great job with it. So did Kurt. But, you know, Rhonda, to pull that off under those circumstances, you got to tip your hat to her. Let's talk about something that... Uh... You and I have never talked about, but it was the talk of that WrestleMania weekend. Uh, TMZ would report that Scott Steiner had an incident. This go, the report comes out on April 7th and it's written that Scott Steiner would accost Jennifer Belea, Hulk Hogan's wife at baggage claim on March 26th at the San Jose airport. And al- allegedly said he was going to quote, kill Terry. As soon as he sees him, of course, Jennifer has no idea who Scott Steiner is freaks out. And, uh, gives him a call and, and, uh, things escalate to the point that the San Jose police are investigating Steiner for potential 
felony terroristic threats. And the, they review the airport surveillance footage and they do see Steiner confront her. And of course, Scott says typical Hogan. He's just a punk. I'm not going to dignify his lies. I didn't put my hands on her, but supposedly what he does say is, Hey, it's bullshit that, uh, Hulk Hogan is introducing uh, macho man into the hall of fame quote. He hated him. Everybody knows that. Uh, and then of course, when, um, Steiner's reached for further comment. He says, it's not my fault. Hulk Hogan is afraid of me. Typical craziness in the wrestling business. Uh, the, the rumor and innuendo is that backstage at the hall of fame, they even had pictures up of Scott Steiner to let local security know, don't let this man in. What do you remember about the Scott Steiner Hulk Hogan's wife incident at the airport and, and what the buzz was, I guess. Well, you, you're going to hear all kinds of stories. Um, do I doubt that Scotty said it? No. Scotty has always said exactly what he meant. Now, for him to go accost a perfect stranger, Hogan's wife, and threaten him to kill him, I, that seems a little strong to me, even for Scotty, but may very well have happened. Um, I know that terroristic threats are just terroristic threats. That's a crime. And if they felt, they being the police department that that actually went down shouldn't there have been arrest yeah i mean ultimately this goes nowhere yeah so i mean it's i don't know it's it sounds like a a terrible thing that happened you never cost a woman no period verbally Physically, certainly not. And, uh, you know, one of the guy's wives, I mean, the families are off limits. They've always been off limits. And you don't you don't attack a family member if you got a beef with somebody. Um, this information you just gave me is the most I've had, you know, and it was one of those things you take with a grain of salt. Did anything at physical happen? No. Then you move on because in this business, as crazy as that story you just told, there's something a day or two later that will either come close or match it or eclipse it. So another day at work. Let's also talk about another guy who's, uh, maybe having a string of bad luck, Daniel Bryan. He's going to get pulled from this upcoming extreme rules pay-per-view because he gets a concussion. He was supposed to defend the title against bad news. Barra here as a reminder, he won the intercontinental title in a ladder match at WrestleMania and the next night on raw. He would defeat Dolph Ziggler in his first successful title defense. And then they're attacked by Barrett only for Seamus to return and chase off Barrett before attacking Brian and Ziggler himself. Brian would lose to Seamus on the April 2nd SmackDown. Uh, when, and he's got a, uh, a count out loss here because Barrett interferes, but during the match, Brian would split his forehead open on the broadcast table, which caused them to bleed and later require stitches. And the April 16th SmackDown is his last in-ring match for a few years. Uh, he teams up with the United States champion, John Cena to defeat WWE tag team champion Cesaro and Tyson kid by submission. It's a sad, sad story here about Brian, just trying to stay healthy enough long to, to keep this thing going. And Meltzer would say there were reports from talent. He had suffered a concussion, which the company denied. Although nothing has been said about what his injuries were or how long he'll be out of action. The belief is that it'll be a few more weeks. And one company source gave the time frame as five weeks, but officially the company has not stated anything regarding whether or not he would be wrestling on Sunday or not. 
It's a weird deal because if WWE knows the time frame, they are not saying Brian did not appear on raw or SmackDown, even for an interview segment. They did mention his match with Barrett for Sunday show was in jeopardy due to his condition, but have not yet pulled it from the show on raw. He was never talked about except when running down the pay-per-view lineup, they brought up the title defense against Barrett. They acknowledged something was wrong with him and said it was unknown whether he'd be able to defend the title. And the next day it was announced that Brian was undergoing diagnostic testing to see if he could wrestle. And one person who basically, um, they say that it's all being kept very closely guarded and that there's and quote banged up would be a nice, accurate, but purposely vague, uh, purposely vague way of describing it. He's going to wind up with a month off TV. He comes back on the May 11th raw to explain after having undergone an MRI, he would be out of action for an unknown period of time and might possibly have to retire. So therefore he's relinquishing the intercontinental championship. And in July, we would reveal that it was concussion related and he had been returned to clear the ring by external medical professionals and was waiting for WWE, uh, to clear him. And then on February 8th, 2016, we know that he's going to retire in the middle of the ring and he would come back in 2018, but this is a real tough time where, where Brian is in a, a major state of limbo. Can he keep going? Is he done? He feels like he's got more to contribute, but maybe it's not best for him. When, not, when he's in the middle of all this, you're uniquely qualified because to, to discuss it, because you've been in the same spot before, right? Not really. Not like that. Not like that. Um, Daniel knew he was hurt. Company knew he was hurt. It was one of those things that he's such a workhorse. He's never going to admit it. He'll never tell you, hey, you need to pull me out. You know, so if they pulled him out, their first round of doctors that they sent him to, it was probably pretty clear right then that he wasn't going to get cleared in quite some time, I would think. The injury would be fresh. You know, the way things are with CTE being brought to light and all that, nobody's going to risk it. Um, why they wouldn't have just had him come out then instead of milking it to the last week. It's almost like a similar situation this year where they milked Roman Reigns was going to be in the match with Goldberg to a week out, correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, why wait? You, you know, Daniel, it was like we would hear conflicting uh, reports. He's going to be back. They, they're going to clear him. No, no, they're never going to clear him and everything in the middle. You know, Daniel's one of those guys that, that is such a credit to being on the roster. He teaches the young guys. He schools some of the middle guys, and he competes at the highest level with the top guys. He covers all the bases. Um, but when you have a guy that, that is his own worst enemy that will not take a day off as long as he's allowed to do that, then you got to protect him from himself. And I agree that they did protect him. And ultimately, when he retired, it was a very emotional, sad day for everybody. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was clear way before anybody got the word that Daniel was going to be out for a while. And I'm sure a lot of people knew that. Damn it! 
son of a bitch. These are the noises I used to make when I cut myself shaving before I knew about manscaped. Thank you. Manscaped for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. And listen, here's the deal. We all have had a moment where, well, things didn't go as planned when we had a razor near our nether regions. Well, here's the deal. Start taking notes because now manscaped accidents are a thing of the past. No more cuts and nicks with the brand new lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped. By the way, this is their third generation trimmer that they spent more than 18 months perfecting. Well, what do we have now? The greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. Of course, we're talking about the brand new and improved lawnmower 3.0. This thing is premium. It's got a 90 minute battery life. It's got an LED light. It's got a rapid charging dock powered by USB and the proof is in the pudding. This has become a staple amongst wrestling fans and even inside the wrestling business. Everybody is loving manscaped and you will too. You've got to try this thing out for yourself. We're talking about the new lawnmower 3.0. Check it out for yourself at manscaped.com. And while you're there, get yourself a great deal. We're talking 20% off with free shipping. When you use our promo code ARN. your balls will thank you. One more time. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the promo code ARN. Your partner, your dick, and your balls will thank you. Uh, Meltzward Report. WWE made an announcement on April 20th regarding the return of Tough Enough, which will air on a Tuesday, 8 p.m. time slot on the USA Network starting June 23rd. The show was believed to be formatted similar to season 15 of Ultimate Fighter. Instead of a season being taped, completed, and then produced, it'll be a show that will feature taped drama that would have taken place during the prior week combined with live elements. Fans will have a voice and who gets eliminated each week. And there will be 10 men and five women in the house with one man and one woman awarded contracts. They're taking applications for the show. And we do know they're also recruiting talent for the show. You and I've never talked about it. What'd you think of, of tough enough? It started gosh, back in like, Oh, one. And granted the business had been, uh, I don't know, quote unquote exposed by then, but. I have a feeling you have a strong opinion about tough enough as a concept. Well, for me, the human being sitting home, you know, it would have probably been entertaining. And the fact that all these people, at least in their mind, thought they could do what we do and found out really quickly that they couldn't. Um, it's just another one of those deals that, that all comes from the same source, you know? Okay. It's a movie. Professional wrestling is a movie. Sometimes we have great episodes within that movie, and sometimes you have less than stellar, and sometimes it just bad movies just suck. Bad acting, it just sucks. But again, to go ahead and beat the public over the head with it and just go ahead and just lay everything out there, pull the covers off the bed and go, okay, there's all the bad bugs. There it is. What do you think about it now? You you take a lot of the star power and luster away from our business. And uh, it's not like the fans are clamoring for it. You know, they just want to be entertained and they want good writing and they want good performances and solid stories. And just to pull the covers back and just say, okay, there's 20 of you, a couple of you are going to make it. And then the worst part is after the fact, they go ahead and sign probably three or four more people 
the contracts after the show's over, which means the people that want it, it doesn't mean a thing because the other people got contracts anyway. Yeah, we should mention uh, the winners are uh, Josh and Sarah. I don't think either one of them are, are with WWE, but Mandy Rose still is. Uh, of course, uh, Chelsea Green still is. Velveteen Dream still is. Sonya Deville still is. So even though the winners may not have had uh, incredible WWE runs, four talent now, uh, two on NXT and, and two on the main roster, uh, they've benefited in a major way from Tough Enough. So just uh, say when you're going in that we're going to have a bunch of people try out. We're going to see what they got. Whoever we think's got a chance at it, that's who will be given a contract. But the whole winner-winner deal, you know, doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. To say so-and-so tough enough winner, where are they now? Okay, they're working at the bowling alley. Well, <laughs> outstanding. What does that say for our business? Let's, uh, let's talk about somebody who has a lot to say about your business. Ricky steamboat Meltzer would say Ricky steamboat said that his son will not be returning to wrestling after major back injuries suffered in training years ago. He had herniated four discs in his lower back in late 2012 and never wrestled again. He had remained on contract for several years. So I'm still under contract. The last time we checked, even though it was not expected, he would return, but he sent out a tweet not long ago talking about coming back and wanting to go after Kevin Owens. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about Richie. Of course, Ricky Steamboat, just absolute wrestling uh, royalty, one of the all time greats, former world champion, some of the best matches you could ever see with him and Flair at 89. And what we hear is their best stuff was maybe four or five years before that uh, on dark matches where the cameras weren't rolling. What'd you think of Richie? And, and uh, ultimately, you know, he wasn't able to, to keep this thing going due to some nagging injuries. I think a lot of fans. Uh, probably we're looking forward to seeing another steamboat in the ring. Well, of course. And if you know Ricky at all, you want that for him, you you know, because I don't think a dad could be any prouder than to see a son performing at a high level in this business, you know, and, uh, his, his son, Richie was a, was a gentleman and always was very respectful. And that came from who his dad was, who was always respectful of everyone in the business. And when you perform at his level and you're as big a star as Ricky Steamboat is, you think that enough juice will just bleed down to the sun to automatically this kid's going to be supernatural. Well, we're all human. And uh, when you have a bad injury like, like Richie did, and it's a career-ending injury, everybody hates that because everybody was pulling for him and everybody was pulling for his dad to be able to experience that. But it was one of those things that the, the reality of this business is 90% don't make it, 10% do, 2% probably excel. And uh, that's just the way it lays out. Let's talk about another lawsuit. Uh, this is a weird one. There's a couple of different ones, I guess we should mention here, but there's a lawsuit against WWE that's highlighted uh, in a TMZ story and it's by Doug and Tommy Gilbert. And I guess the, the lawsuit is alleging that neither Gilbert have ever signed contracts with WWE or ESPN. So they don't have the rights to use their names and likeness. Of course, we're talking about a lot of the footage that now is available on the network, ESPN classics, things like that. 
Um, of course the company at this point has bought the rights, uh, to the global, uh, wrestling federation library, but ESPN still had rights to use it under the terms of their contract. Meanwhile, Ricky steamboat is in a lawsuit with WWE and they're going to end with a summary judgment about using footage on television that goes nowhere. And a third case was filed by Stevie Ray, not the brother of Booker T, but another guy who wrestled in the territories from 87 to 94. He's also upset that ESPN had aired some of these matches. So there's lots of criticism and and lawsuits being filed about, Hey, you're showing my stuff and I'm not getting paid and you don't have the right to do it. Did any of that ever cross your mind when some of this stuff started being picked up by the WWE network? Because once upon a time, you know, you guys would get royalties from videotape sales and things like that. That's not the case of the network era, right? Well, when I'm, I'm wondering when that was that we got the money for the videotapes you're talking about. Well, the, I don't I mean, recall that. The WWF, at least. <laughs> Maybe WCW didn't do it, but we've been and, led to believe that when the WWF was up and rolling, that when a DVD went out or a game went out or you guys would participate, but, and maybe the game stuff was still there, but a lot of the DVD sales that's now going by the wayside. And obviously VHS isn't a thing anymore, but now with it all going through the network, I know there was a lot of, you know, current in-ring talent at the time who were saying, how do pay-per-view payoffs work now? If, if there's no buy rate, nobody's buying the pay-per-view sort of the same thing for some of these other merchandise pieces that now maybe become a little less important with the network. I was just teasing you, but the fact is, and we've discussed this, I never ever got a dime marketing until I went to WWF. Hmm. Nothing with Crockett, nothing with WCW, nothing with the other territories as far as Pensacola or Bill Watts that I'd worked for. Here's probably, and I'm not a lawyer by any stretch of the imagination, but in these televised matches that that they say the Gilberts were showing up on ESPN or wherever when they got paid for performing on those television shows, their compensation was covered. Just guessing once you took a payoff for being on TV, you gave up your rights for anything going further. I would imagine does that sound probable, maybe sure, possible. Mm-hmm. Not being a lawyer, you know, I don't know how those uh, lawsuits panned out, but I'm sure not well for them. (laughs) Um, Just saying, um, I never heard of anybody filing a lawsuit about their likeness being on TV and winning the case. If there are some, I'd sure love to hear about it. Well, I think the only example that we know of is is Jesse Ventura, but. As a rule, they just quit using him going forward and problem solved. Yeah. And then that was, you know, part of the reason I was never going to hag. Number one, I was going to be a big merchandise seller, but I'm sure when the horse were not, we could have sold a ton. Yeah. You know, the truth of the matter is we could have probably set the standard for merchandise at one point. But, I, you know, I was making money. I was living my dream. I was enjoying being a wrestler and all those trappings that came with that. Uh, 
I wasn't thinking about merchandise money and, and, and all that stuff going forward because it was just a different industry back then. So, you know, the mechanics of what go what goes with all those different areas of revenue, it's out of my expertise anyway. Uh, one last piece of business here before we get to the show. Vern Gagne passed away on April 28th. Did you ever meet Vern? Yeah, I met him three times in one night. <laughs> that sounds like a good story well yeah i mean it's just one of those deals that i'm probably a face that you're not going to remember but I, we had the co-op show in the meadowlands with awa and jim crockett promotions and from the time i got there just walking the halls and stuff which i thought was was very very personable of him Vern Gagne stuck his hand out and introduced himself to me in the course of about three hours, I think it was three times, which you can look at it on face value and go, I'm very honored by that. Or you can just say, I've got a face that's not very memorable, or third option is whatever you want to put in the box. All right, listen up, guys. Remember the days when you're always ready to go? Well, now you can feel like you used to with Bluetooth.com. Blue Chew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. And if you like sex, you're going to love bluechew.com. That's where you'll find the world's first chewables with the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. And here's how it works. A bluechew.com affiliated physician will work with you to find the right dosage and active ingredients, but because it's a chewable, it can work faster. And these chewables can be taken on a full or an empty stomach. And because the online physician consult is free. It's also cheaper than those other two. It also ships direct. That's worth mentioning. It's going to show up in discreet packaging. So not only could it work faster, it's also cheaper and it's more discreet. Translation, no more awkwardness, no in-person doctor visit, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And these dudes are made right here in the US of A, the good old red, white, and blue chew. It's going to give you the confidence in bed you need every time. You and your partner will love it. So what are you waiting for? Go chew it and do it. And here's a great deal for you guys. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order for free when you use our promo code ARN. That's A-R-N. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is ARN, and you get to try it for free. Why wouldn't you do this? This is a staple in wrestling now. Find out what all the buzz is about. Chew it and do it at bluechew.com. Promo code ARN. Well, let's get into the box of extreme rules. The first match is bad news. Barrett versus Neville as a reminder at WrestleMania 31, bad news. Barrett had lost his intercontinental championship in a seven man ladder match. The following week, he repeatedly attacked the new champion, Daniel Bryan, uh, which of course invoked a rematch clause here, uh, for extreme rules. But now Bryan has been declared unable to compete. So instead Barrett is given a match against Neville on the events kickoff pre-show. They get plenty of time here, 10 minutes and 36 seconds. Of course, Barrett trying to get some heat for himself saying, uh, Hey, I'm the reason Daniel Bryan isn't here. He's terrified of losing the title to me. And he's going to go ahead and call himself the Michael Jordan of England. A pretty good match. Three and a quarter stars. Of course, we know what Neville is capable of doing. He's going to wreak havoc here and later in AEW, more modern these days, but Bad news, Barrett. We didn't hear a lot from for a long time, and he's recently popped back up in the NWA. You watched this match for the first time in a long time. What can you tell us about the match or the performers themselves? Well, Wade Barrett is uh, 
tremendous talent. When he was with the Nexus and he was the figurehead of the Nexus, or when he was by himself, I mean, the guy had good size, he had a good look, he's a good performer, and he could talk. And uh, it's a tough position, just to tell you how good Neville is. Can you imagine being the baby face that comes through that curtain who's taking Daniel Bryan's spot on that show when the audience has just recently found out about it and it's still fresh in their minds? Right. Whoever you whoever you are, it's going to be, be a disappointment, right? Wouldn't you think? I do. Not his fault, and buddy, he went out there and he took it to Wade Barrett, and they had a tremendous match. I do remember that match, and it was awesome. And uh, the guys overachieved and overperformed. And when it was all said and done, I'm sure no one was sitting there harping on the fact that they didn't get Daniel Bryan. They just saw a new star in the making, and that being Neville. Let's, uh, let's get to the next little segment. We see Kane and Seth Rollins backstage and Rollins asked Kane why he threw him into a spear on SmackDown and Kane tells Rollins, you've been acting like an ungrateful little punk ever since you won the title. Triple H is here. He sides with Rollins and says Kane has been spending too much time trying to prove that he's the man he used to be. And, uh, he tells Kane, he doesn't want him letting him down again tonight. And Kane assures both he'd do what was best for business. I liked this corporate cane. I don't think the fans did though. They're booing this and chanting boring so loudly that they turned down the crowd volume. Why was this just a miss with fans? Why did this corporate cane and triple H and Seth, this authority had fans just seen enough of this over the years and they were ready for another storyline or did they just not like one of their particular performers? Why do you think this didn't click? Well, at this point in the night, uh, there'd been enough of authority. It had ran its course. Kane is one of the, has one of the greatest gimmicks of all time. I'm a huge Kane fan. The look, the monster behind the look, the performer behind all of that is just phenomenal. And you, then you take and you put him in a suit and he looks, and I mean a tailored suit, the guy looks like a trillion dollars. He looks like the banker that was sitting behind the desk and you gave him some, some crap until he stood up and then you went, oh, God, I'm just going to jump out the window here. It'll be less painful. But it's not the guy talking normally and talking respectfully and or disrespectfully and intelligently standing in there in the suit. That's not Kane. Corporate Kane and Kane are two completely different people. So there's your disconnect right there in my mind. That's the way I felt about it. You cannot humanize monsters. Once you humanize them, it's like I used to tell show all the time. You never get a second chance at being a giant. If you become normal for one night and they capture it on film, you, you cannot go back to being the guy you were. And I used to stay on him about that. And I feel like humanizing Kane, even though he is an intelligent, articulate guy, my God, he's the mayor of Knoxville, for Christ's sakes. You know, he is all those things. I don't think in our world you want to point that out to the audience. And as you got later in the night and the match went down and Kane did his stuff, the audience got with it. But early on, I, 
I don't think they were buying it. Next up, we've got Dean Ambrose and Luke Harper in a street fight that has no winner. They go eight minutes and five seconds. They're brawling outside. They're using chairs. They're using the steps. Uh, they're using kendo shots. Eventually they brawl backstage. Ambrose throws a pie at Harper who then jumps in a car. Ambrose tries to get in, but he's thrown out. Eventually Harper starts the car and Ambrose dives in the passenger seat window and they drive off and they come back later in the show, but we're trying for something, you know, different here. what do you think of the, uh, the creative to have the guys drive away in a car and then come back later? Monday morning quarterback. And now I'm huge fans of both those guys of course. to this, to this day. Uh, I think they're both tremendous professionals, tremendous workers, smart, top, top guys, top shelf talent all the way. Felt that way about them. Then, uh, you can look at the Monday morning quarterback, uh, opinion and go, Oh, okay. They jump in the car, they disappear. If you're in that audience, just going by your past history, what do you think? I'm not going to get a finish on this match. Right. That's their, that's their way of getting out of it. That makes sense. Yeah. Not a good thing. Even though it didn't occur that way, you already had the audience settled into the fact that, well, okay, that was a popcorn fart. We didn't get any resolution to that. Being that Monday morning quarterback, let's just say they started up that ramp in the car. All of a sudden, the car comes to a screeching halt. They fight back out the window, bring it back into the arena, and finish it. You might have had enough of a pause there just to make it different, make it look like it was going to go somewhere else, and then go ahead and give them the conclusion all at one time. Um, That's just one way of looking at it. Nothing to do with their work or their use of toys or their creativity. Those guys had a hell of a fight. Just saying, I'm not sure they got the audience back to where they were when they left the arena coming back the second time. It's really hard to do that. Um, let's get to the next match. It's Dolph Ziggler and Sheamus, nine minutes and 15 seconds in a kiss me arse match. Uh, Meltzer would say the action was good. The post-match was what it was. It felt really stupid. Uh, we should mention that it's an inside cradle for Ziggler that gets the win. So Ziggler gets, a, gets the pin and the crowd, which has been pretty hot for the show, starts chanting pucker up. Ziggler teases pulling down his trunks, but of course, Sheamus is refusing to kiss his ass and they're stalling a little bit. And Meltzer would say they went too long with it. And when Sheamus finally gets down to kiss his ass, instead he gives Ziggler a low blow and then the bro kick tons of heat for this. And then says, you didn't think I'd really kiss your ass in this stinking town. Did you? Hikes up his trunks, rub Ziggler's face there. Three and a quarter stars. It's, uh, I gotta tell you, I think these are two very, very good performers. Bell to bell. The crowd was into it. This is a win for me. This was thumbs up for me. What'd you think? Well, it depends on, you know, the match. And I went back and watched the match was phenomenal. And that's what Dolph Ziggler does. Yep. Been saying it for a decade. He makes everybody better than what they are. He makes guys' offense just look incredible. And he knows his way around the ring. He knows, you know, where he's at. He knows how to put a story together. He knows how to shine a guy up. And he knows, to, you know, he, he's very offensive-minded. He's got a lot of creative stuff on his tool belt. 
I thought the match itself was phenomenal. Now, just let's go back to the Monday morning quarterback. Knowing what we know about the type character it is, let's just say you would have brought down eight baby faces to run Seamus down, hold him, and actually make him kiss Doss ass. Don't you think it got more heat off of that? Yes. To just once again, which, you know, they're notorious for doing, not paying stuff off, just changing gears right in the middle of, of a match or an angle. The nutter and the bro kick and all the stuff that followed, total disregard for the step that you wanted to see. Sheamus would have got 10 times the heat if he would have been made. And I mean, after a chase and a fight and everything that goes before it to have to kiss Dolph's ass, because I doubt very seriously Dolph ever got his comeuppance after that. I don't remember what happened, but I'm pretty sure he did. And correct. We yeah. left it there. I don't, I don't, I don't believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you have a step like that, and by the way, that's wrestling, that's a wrestling angle. I know they hate to hear that, but uh, that's something that would have probably originated in Tennessee or somewhere else. It's purely entertainment, and you know that's that's what lets the audience up. Having steps like that on matches, they can't all just be straight wrestling matches. You got to have some of that stuff, but pay it off for what it is. You know the heat was gotten during the match, right? He beat the ever-loving piss out of Dolph. Then you get a surprise finish, and then you get the payoff. To me, it's pretty simple. If you're going to have something that wild as a step, pay it off. I hate Steven Singer. And you know what else I hate? Everything that's happening in the world right now. Our heart breaks for those who have lost loved ones, those who are ill, struggling small businesses, and everyone affected by this. Normally, Steven Singer is in the love business and the happiness business, and this is the time when I would announce his new rose color for mother's day, but this year is different. I'm announcing his brand new. I love you. 24 karat gold dipped rose. It's a beautiful pink blush color rose that will hopefully brighten your loved one's day. But Steven wants to put a little love in everyone's days. So he's using a portion of every rose sold to support local restaurants by purchasing catering for all the incredible nurses, doctors, and first responders and hospital workers. You can purchase an I Love You Rose and know that you're sending love to the moms in your life while supporting local restaurants and thanking our essential workers. If you're looking to celebrate someone, simply say I love you or honor mom on Mother's Day. Steven Singer is shipping as fast and safely as possible. Steven treats his customers as family and is here for you. Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com for free and touchless delivery and also include a personalized message of love. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Next up, we've got the uh, tag titles on the line. Kofi Kingston and big E as the new day are going to be taking on Tyson kid and Cesaro crowd is super hot for this match. This is an incredible match. Start to finish lots of unique spots. The crowd is chanting new day sucks really loud. Cesaro's doing all of his signature power moves that, uh, he sort of made famous and a staple to his repertoire Th uh, three and three quarter stars is what Meltzer gave it. Kofi and biggie win the tag titles. I thought this was a really, really well done match. I dug the hell out of this one. What'd you think? They kicked ass. 
and I've said before, I was a huge fan of, of Cesaro and TJ. And, man, did they compliment the New Day. Yep. And the New Day gave it right back to them. I went back and watched that match as well. Those guys tore the joint down. And then the fact is, Cesaro, had he been allowed to continue doing all those things that only he can do, because as time wore on, he's not a favorite guy, as you know, of the front office. For whatever reason that is, they're the only ones that know, because everybody else across the planet seems to think he's a superstar. But he continued to get leaned on to stop doing all that stuff as a heel, that it was just too flashy and all that stuff. When you can do things that no one else on the planet can do, why wouldn't you bring them to our audience? Aren't you cheating our audience by not giving it to them? Yes. Isn't that more of that? I don't give a shit what the audience thinks. You're going to do what I want. And that's some more of that mentality. Yes. Okay, it gets sickening, and when you've lived it for years and years and years and seen different characters just get pummeled and squashed because I said so, it gets mighty damn uh, uh, disturbing, and it gets mighty damn, it's such a downer uh, when you're trying to go out and make a guy perform at the at the top level for the audience that he's capable of and you know that's one of those things that i was able to do i knew what every guy did well and i knew what every guy did rotten and we would sit down and we would try to map something out i would say okay you might want to pull that out i don't think it fits there that's not the best you do but i tell you what is good let's move and put this here and when you see that just get buried when you come back through the curtain it just drives you nuts and you can take that match and that crowd and even though you had a title switch which was the that was the exclamation point on the whole thing you had new champions what if you would have left those belts on those guys for six more months imagine how hot they would have been yeah listen we've talked about it forever i, I don't think we can sell it or say it any more clearly go watch tyson kidd and cesaro's tag matches and this one in particular is a great one to start with some early new day here before they're the you know most over team in wrestling here they're they're still heels this is good stuff man they get nine minutes and 36 seconds but goodness gracious the upside on tyson kidd and cesaro knew no bounds that was a great match kudos to all those guys next up we see a new day doing a promo and the car that Ambrose and Harper had left in comes back. Of course, when they left, Harper was driving. And now when they're coming back, Ambrose is driving. They throw a ton of chairs into the ring. Harper power bombs him on the chairs for a near fall. He then buries Ambrose under all the chairs, goes to the top rope. Of course, Ambrose gets up, slams him off the top rope onto the chairs, hits the dirty deeds. And there's your pin. And Meltzer would say, overall, the idea of doing the match, driving away and coming back was better on paper than in practice. In the end, the combination of matches was nothing close to what you'd expect from these two, two and a half stars. I don't think Meltzer's criticizing their work here. I think it's just the creative of, you know, as you said, you sort of lost that momentum and now you've got to pick it back up. That's an almost impossible thing to do, but they tried something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sometimes you got to try stuff to see if it works, you know, 
I'm not saying it was a rotten idea. If it would have been proposed to me that day, I would have might have I might have said, okay, well, that's different. And I'm a huge fan of different, so I'm not going to dump all over that. The main thing is coming back, the guys did just like they did leaving. They did the best they could with the toys. They made it as violent as they could. Uh, and they had a clean finish right in the middle. So it's just hard to keep the audience's attention, which I doubt very seriously if there was a lot of heat on that angle before the show in the previous weeks. You know what I mean? Sure. This wasn't one that you were dying to see Luke Harper get his ass kicked because of all the dirty things he had done to Ambrose prior. Just guessing. Next up, we've got a U.S. title match between John Cena and Rusev. As a reminder, John Cena defeated Rusev to win the U.S. title at WrestleMania 31. That was Rusev's first defeat since coming onto the main roster. Uh, of course, he revokes the rematch clause, and it's announced that it's going to happen here. But it's a Russian chain match, uh, which is part of the uh, the bad news segment, where he says, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. And, of course, here we are. It's a Russian chain match. The crowd has started to uh, feel for Lana. She's sort of becoming the baby face of the group. And Meltzer would say the plan for Lana's long term right now is to be the female face of the company once her baby face turn is completed, at least that's the long-term plan this week. McMahon feels that part of the transition has to include a reveal that she's really American. The plan is to keep the Lana name. Although there has been some talk of using the name CJ, but the idea that CJ makes people think hot blind because of the character Pamela Anderson played in Baywatch. Uh, what will be interesting is if they do or don't put pressure on her in that position, to post photos and social media of her still dating Rusev after they do the TV breakup, either way will be extremely telling of how they view the current audience and social media. This has been, uh, debated a lot lately with everything that's happened in WWE, especially last week, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about briefly at the end of the show. But the idea that Lana would be separated from Rusev and maybe she's going to be a baby face and he'll be a heel and how do they acknowledge their real life relationship or don't based on the influence that social media has on wrestling. Now, do you have a, a stance on that about, you know, where do we separate TV and real life between these on-screen characters and then their real life social media? Why waste the time? If it's crystal clear every time they're, on social media, they're talking about where they are or what they're doing or where they're going together. And you're trying to devote TV time to saying it's something else. Aren't you just beating your head against the wall? Yeah. In the days of kayfabe, if you would have shot this angle, they would have had their breakup and it would have happened a lot sooner than later. The angle really just was shot with Bobby Lashley, which completed the breakup, correct? Yeah. So going back, how many years were they talking about this? Five. 20. Okay. That's a long time to ponder shooting an angle. You know, it, uh, I just don't think, and, and another thing, you know, CJ doesn't make me think of Pamela Anderson at her finest. It does. That's just don't jump off the page to me. If you say CJ, no, me neither. does it you No. does it you? No. 
Okay, that's been a long time ago, you know, and I know I'm old, but Baywatch, when it was really hitting on all cylinders, was a long time ago. So so that cuts a lot of the audience out of that CJ thought process. And the fact of the matter is, they don't want to see her Americanized. The thing that was so hot about Lana was she was the hot Russian. She dressed like the hot Russian. She was the Russian uh, female in Rocky. That that's who she was supposed to be, and Rusev was the killer. Um, you know, and if you were going to do it, why all of a sudden reveal that? Okay, we've been pulling your leg, audience. She's really from San Diego, and her name is this. So we just been bullshitting you, but you didn't have to. You know, now you can start believing us. We lied to you all along. Now. We'll start telling you the truth. I don't think guys think about this in the writer's room about, you know, going forward and how you're going to present something and when the timing is right and the iron is hot and when you got to shoot that angle. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's, uh, I don't know. It's still going to be a hotly debated topic, but what's not going to be debated is that John Cena and Rusev had chemistry together i love the wrestlemania match i was looking forward to the rematch here of course the big spot is lana getting on the apron the fans are chanting we want lana so Ruf tell, rusev tells her to leave and she pounces and goes to the back um ultimately rusev looks like he's gonna finish touching the corners but cena blocks him from touching a third corner and the finish sees both guys touch three corners and then cena hits the attitude adjustment and touches the fourth corner for the win they get plenty of time 13 minutes and 35 seconds, but John Cena wins two in a row here. It felt like once upon a time, Rusev had a lot of steam, but he picks up his first loss at WrestleMania to John Cena. And it's more of the same here. Is this standard fair or, or maybe had the office lost a little faith and confidence in Rusev at this point? Well, he had been. You know, the whole thing, and I was in on the the conversation to go a year without beating Rusev, you know, because I had experience with Umaga prior to that. Umaga went about that long without getting beat, and he was an incredible character and performer. And I knew Rusev could pull it off if we just chose to not beat him. That doesn't mean he's beating somebody half to death every week on TV. It just means you just don't beat him. There's no reason to beat him. And it worked. And he was hot going into the to the Mania match. Now, the problem with this match is when you have a chain match that I listened to the commentary on the front side of it, and I think Michael Cole said there has never been a chain match, Russian chain match, on WWE television. Now, I know I heard that, unless I'm completely losing my mind. You know the reason why there's never been one? Why has there never been one? Because it's a PG product. <laughs> and when you got 20 feet, 15 to 20 feet of thick steel chain strapping two guys together, don't you think after 15 minutes somebody needs to be bleeding? Yes. Nobody hit anybody in the head with that weapon that, that was perfectly legal to use. It was the same rules as a strap match, but the difference is you got 
You know, you can hit somebody in the head with a strap and not necessarily bust them open. You got a verified weapon in your hands, which they just did the touch the four posts and that's the end of it. No one really got brutalized. Certainly no one was bleeding. It was just the waste of a chain match because to me, having a chain in that ring means somebody's going to get brutalized and no one did. And it just made for just a lackluster. It was a souped up strap match. That's all it was. Now, food for thought. We're back to the Monday morning quarterbacking deal. If you were, if you saw the pop that Lana got and she did, she got a good, nice pop. And when she got thrown out of there, Rusev, had some heat. Yeah. Let's just let's just say if he had to wrap that chain around his hand, let's pull the plug here a little bit and let him beat Cena to a pulp and pinned him. One, two, three, and he's bleeding to death. Lana comes down and saves Cena that night. You think you'd have a baby face face of the company the next day? Absolutely. That's how easy it would have been just to tweak it. You would have protected the match. The next time you had a Russian chain match, it would have meant something. And you would have, right then, that night, that was a hot deal going by the reaction that I saw when she got tossed. Rusev, they booed Rusev out of the building when he threw her out of there. Yes, they did. That would have been the place to pull the trigger right there. Next up, Nikki Bella. Pins Naomi in seven minutes and 15 seconds to retain the Divas title. Naomi here debuts a new look and some new music. Uh, it's better than your usual women's match in this era. Two and a half stars. You and I have talked about how we thought Nikki was criminally underrated. Uh, and here we get to see sort of a new side of Naomi. What'd you think watching it back for the first time in five years? I remember Naomi went through a period where her she really improved. I mean, leaps and bounds. And she was asking questions and, and learning and getting better. And she's such a sweetheart. All you want to do is help her because she's somebody you want to see achieve and get better and be the best she can. She's a really nice person, and she's a tremendous uh, athlete. And her work had started to come on. And being out there with Nikki, who I've said before, I thought for that particular time, this was before the women's revolution had taken off full bore. Nikki was a, and Bree were both good performers. And uh, I thought they had a very good match. There were no extreme rules stipulations on it, which I agreed with 100%. And you had a, a little bit of poetic justice where they had their spot out on the floor. And Amy Kane came out and kind of kicked Bree just for the reason that she was seeing about her sister, which really wasn't justification to do that. Bree gave it back to her behind the rest back. And with that Chicago crowd, it was like poetic justice. Okay. Forget baby face and heel. Maybe she had that one coming and they bought the finish. It helped take care of Naomi with the kick in the face from Bree on the floor into the rack attack. I think the story all buttoned up. Well, I agree. Uh, backstage, we get Rusev yelling at Lana for screwing up. She's really sad, knocks on a door, and we see she's going into the authorities' office. And next up, we get Roman Reigns and Big Show in a last-man-standing match 
They got a ton of time here at 19 minutes and 43 seconds. They're pulling out all the stops. Meltzer would call it a really good brawl. And he would write the fans saw Reigns climb or the finish saw Reigns climb up the steps that show had set up by the English announcers table. And a show was standing on the table, ran Reigns ran up the stairs and onto the table and speared show. And both went flying through the Spanish announce table. Uh, but show got up to beat the 10 count and then Reigns picked up the English announce table and turned it over on show trapping him. So he couldn't beat the 10 count. The goal of this match was to establish Reigns as quote unquote, the guy and show could not have done a better job in doing. So there seemed to be none of the Reigns backlash that had been evident the previous few months four stars. So let's sort of unpack everything that Meltzer wrote there. The backlash was in a major way at, at Royal rumble. Earlier in the year, they wanted Daniel Bryan to win it in Philly. It becomes Roman and fans are not with it. They're booing it hard. Even when they try to sprinkle the rock on top, they don't want reigns that becomes evident all the way through WrestleMania. They find a way to get out of that with Seth Rollins cashing in, but now we're not giving up on Roman. We want to continue to try to make him and big show does a phenomenal job here. I love the creative finish of it's not just, he can't get up. We're going to pile shit on top of him and make sure he can't do it. It, it did a lot of good for Roman and the, and the crowd seemed to be with it. And Chicago is as hardcore as Philadelphia when it comes to, to cheering their favorites and booing the ones they don't love. And, and this was the exact reaction WWE was looking for. Was it not? Yeah, I think, I don't think you, you can give enough credit to the uh, fans of Chicago. They know what they like. They're honest in their reactions. They may be one of the best wrestling cities in the entire world. Yeah. Show in and show out. They are just so consistent and so supportive. And if you stink, guess what? They'll sit there and either be silent or they'll tell you you stink. So you can always get a fair read uh, off of the Chicago audience. And Roman, like I've seen him do in modern times with Braun Strowman, went out there and sold his ass off and he made the giant, the giant and show who I am a huge fan is a human being and as a performer, he's one of my buddies. I uh, think the world of him, um, wish him a lot of success and what he's doing right now with his new series, I think on Netflix or something. So there's your plug show. Awesome. Uh, but I think that night he was a giant. He worked like a giant he made Roman, but Roman made the giant before this thing went down on the finish. And how many ways do you beat a giant? I mean, my God, you know, putting a pile of rocks on top of him is certainly something that's credible and believable. And that's in our world, that being the announce table, I bought that finish and the, the violence that went down before it, the softening up process of of the spear off of the announce table and all those things and through the barricade and all that prior to the finish made me believe that that was the cherry on top. And, uh, I bought it and I think Roman walked out of there better for it. Kudos to both of those guys. They both rose in prominence. I believe that night and it was just a hell of a match and I, I enjoyed it crap out of it. Next up, we see Randy Orton tell Kane that when the authority is done using him, they'll throw him out like garbage. And Orton tells Kane, he knows who Kane is. Even if Kane has forgotten, 
And then we see Bo Dallas come out for an interview and Meltzer would say the idea for a segment was to take the crowd down because they booked Reigns and show to be hot and they didn't want the main event to directly follow them. So Dallas insults the crowd and then Ryback comes out and Dallas jumps Ryback who then makes a comeback and lays him out with a shell shock. Uh, and then they announced that, uh, Cena and Rusev are going to have an, I quit match in the future, but let's talk about the importance of sort of having a buffer here. I think, uh, Bruce Pritchard used to call this a let me up segment. We need a, a segment to sort of get people to sort of reset their adrenaline and their expectations and sit down from the roller coaster that they were just on before we start another roller coaster. Is that what this is designed to do? And what did you think of the execution with Bo Dallas and Ryback here? Well, I think it was fine for what it was. I was, you know, happy to see both Ryback and Bo get a little spotlight there. Um, Bo was good at, at grabbing a microphone and, you know, pissing off the audience. And, and Ryback, you know, hey, the guy looked the part. I don't know what happened on that deal. I got a pretty good idea. He might have got over a little too strong on his own. And, you know, that's a no-no-no. But as far as being a buffer in the show right there, I thought that was fine. And uh, glad to see them both get a little spotlight. Next up, we've got the cage match here. As a reminder, the authority has made it to where all the chips are stacked against Randy Orton here, uh, including them naming Kane as the gatekeeper for the cage match. They get a ton of time, 21 minutes and one second. The RKO has also been banned. So we're trying to stack the chips as much as we can. Eventually, uh, Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury come out and they're going to be trying to do whatever they can to interfere in the match. And eventually it looks like Kane has had a change of heart. And instead of opening the door for those guys, he chokeslams them both. And it looks like as the crowd is going wild and chanting, yes, he's going to chokeslam Seth Rollins. But instead, as you know, he chokeslams Randy Orton. Um, and then he turns around and does Rollins too, which I guess to make sure it made no sense. He puts Rollins arm over Orton, but Orton kicks out and then Kane goes for the tombstone on Orton, but Kane manages to let Randy Orton escape and, and an RKO on Kane happens. And then Rollins hits the RKO on Orton and crawls out of the cage. So three and a quarter stars, but it feels a little overbooked for a cage match, uh, to an old school fan what'd you think well i think the match and i went back and watched this one because i'm fans of these guys as well and i knew they would put together a good match other than just making the cage the sole story because as we know under those rules where your baby face can escape or the heel for that matter over the top or through the door and that being a finish that's not satisfaction. You know, the, the idea is the cage is supposed to keep you in. Um, and when you get away from that concept of, of okay, the heel is trapped, he's, it's his payday, he is going to get shellacked. Once you take that theory away from it and you make it a chase to get over to the top and drop to the floor, you got a whole different story. And it just kills a cage forever. Um but I think there was a lot of spots like there was a climb up and Randy, uh, you know, got knocked off back into the ring. Seth jumped off and he clipped him in the face with a knee, jumping knee that looked incredible. There was a superplex by Randy 
when they were both up top, back into the ring, all the stuff that was really building violence-wise without, again, bleeding. Would have been nice to have someone bleeding um, in this match. But uh, I think they built it right. Once J&J came down, I think them climbing and getting knocked off added to some of the uh, excitement. And when you got down to the finish, you know, Kane choke slamming both kind of tells me if I'm really following the story, wouldn't his ass been in a sling with the authority? Yeah. Choke slamming Seth. Don't know if that got followed up properly, but the fact is the thing that kind of bothered me more than anything else. And I'm sure they had the instruction to do this is when the RKO was barred. But was it crystal clear and made crystal clear that the hold was barred for both guys? No, of course not. Or just for Randy. Yeah, it seems like just for Randy. Okay. Uh, Because that's what I thought. But there was an argument amongst the announcers with King taking the slant that, okay, the hold was barred. That meant for anybody. Nowhere did they say it was just Randy Orton. So what you had was this argument on the end that left it discombobulated that if if King's right, then okay, we just got screwed again. But anyway, the RKO was the finish, but it was Seth doing it to Orton. Right. Not a big fan of guys using each other's finish on each other. But in this case, all it did was strengthen the RKO because – that's what Randy uses for a finish, and it was strong enough to beat him. So once you sort through all the layers of, of the confusion, I think if the RKO got an added bump by it beating Randy, then you probably achieved the right thing. And I know that all the excitement and how hard the guys worked, you know, to really beat themselves up inside that cage and the run-ins and Kane's involvement – which Kane looked like a monster. He just looked like a monster in a suit. On the end of this thing, he was creaming both guys, but it just makes you wonder. You'd have to go to the next draw and find out, okay, what were the ramifications of Kane doing that? Was there any? Did they just blow past it? What, you know, what was the, what would the story shake out to be? But it was a very good match. Um and I think it was a very good show, to be honest with you. If I look at it across the board, one of the better shows. Yeah, I thought it was a good show too. Uh, the readers, uh, the readers of the Wrestling Observer, gave it forty-five point eight percent thumbs up, thirty-five point seven percent thumbs in the middle, only eighteen point five percent thumbs down. Uh, the best match, and this is by a wide margin, is New Day versus Tyson Kidd and Cesaro. We've been beating the Tyson Kidd and Cesaro drum for a while. Go watch this one. Uh, the worst match, and I don't know if this is necessarily fair. They said Nikki Bella and Naomi and Arn, when we put it to, uh, to Twitter and said, Hey, do you guys have any questions for us? Tons and tons of questions about Naomi. When, when they show a match graphic, it shows her versus Nikki, but her, their name, it, it says page. It says Nikki versus page. Uh, that's obviously a snafu, a typo, no big deal. Uh, but fans really, really hovered on this moment. When an error like that happens, there's not heat on the producers. That's all on production, right? Well, you would think it would be. But now, now was that the match that they, that was the advertisement for the show? 
Yeah. It on, said, on the graphics said, for the show, it, it had a picture of her, but it didn't say Naomi. It said Paige. Well, let me tell you something. When we got our ass blasted for a guy not having his hands up on a one, two, one, two exchange, you would think the wrong name under a talent for a pay-per-view event would have definitely got somebody fired. Don't you think? Well, it seems like it would have been on their radar for sure. You may look at that as not being a, I even look at that as being a big snafu. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that somebody screwed up. It, it's a funny thing though. You know, the people that get their ass chewed out are a selective group and it's usually the same group and there's underlying reasons for it. So who knows? That would have been on the production end. That wouldn't have been on the end of the uh, producer though. Of course not. Uh, Ray wants to know is Dolph Ziggler, his biggest enemy. Uh, he seems to be right there and then suddenly is lost in the shuffle again. I know that's not the right phrasing, but I think a lot of fans, I mean, nearly every other question we have are, are things like that. Here's another, why did Vince McMahon give up on Alexander Rusev? It seems like the two talent that people are asking about the most this week, watching this one back are how did they screw this up with Rusev and why in the world was Dolph Ziggler, not a sustained long-term top guy. I mean, he's been consistent as long as anybody in company history. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Dolph, Dolph's got a set and he doesn't mind saying what he thinks. And even though he's right, most of the time, that's the wrong thing to do. Once you walk up in Brillo, well, the reality is that the company wants blind devotion. Dolph had an opinion for the longest time 10 years ago. It was the fact that Dolph, who throws a hell of a super kick, there was the office did not want him using the super kick because that was Sean's finish. But Sean was retired. Sean was gone. You know, you, you can't retire moves. How many super kicks do you see today, for God's sakes? Probably one in every single match. Yeah. In every company. So, you know, that was a heated issue years ago. But Dolph would, you know, he had an opinion, and uh, he would voice it. The guy, it was never a question amongst all the producers. He worked his ass off, and once we got to Gorilla, no matter if he agreed with what was going on or not, he would go out and give you 100%. So Dolph, I'm a big fan of Dolph Ziggler's, and I think he's one of those guys – you may bitch about him when he's on, you know, the card. And I'm sure a lot of guys, you know, the higher ups in the office that, you know, and certainly the boss, you know, got tired of dealing with Dolph. But the fact of the matter is Dolph is right a lot of the time. And uh, he's been one of those performers that has just over the years made everybody better than what they were. And, uh the question as to why he wasn't one of the top, top guys, I certainly don't have it. It wouldn't have bothered me at all. The reality is one day, and you mark my words, Dolph is a wealthy man. I know that he's made a lot of money for a long time, even not being in the top, top spot. But I got a feeling Dolph's frugal. I got a feeling he has made some investments and he's smart and one day he'll go, oh, you want to give me some more shit about something else? You know what? See ya. 
and he'll thump down the steps and take off his boots and walk out the door and you'll never hear from him again. And he will have accomplished what he wanted to in the business left on his own terms. Either way, there's no guess that every other week here on the show, we let you guys drive the topics and the discussion next week. We'll be back at it. It's hashtag ask Arn anything. If you have a question, please follow us on social media at the Arn show. You'll see it near the top there and, uh, you'll be able to ask anything you want of our next week. As we get ready for May, I want to do a quick rundown of what we've got coming your way. And we've got payback 2015 and over the limit 2010 and elimination chamber 2015. So a lot of more recent WWE stuff that you guys seem to be digging. Of course, we'll have a couple of hashtag ask R and anythings, and we're going to round out this month on adfreeshows.com. Uh, watching Arn and Tully, Tully win the belts in the NWA back in April of 88. So join us on adfreeshows.com where if you were already on there, you would have gotten this show early and ad free. You'll also see next month, uh, we're going to watch Slamboree 93. It's Arn's only title shot against Barry Windham. And it's a, it's a pay-per-view match to boot. So join us. Lots of fun stuff happening at adfreeshows.com. And we'll be back with you next week for hashtag ask Arn anything. Ask your question right now at the Arn show on Twitter. He is at the Arn show. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on Arn only on Westwood one. I've been telling you for a long time that save with Conrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Hey, good afternoon, Glenn. This is Dave Silva. Hey, what's going on, Dave? <laughs> How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. We're um, putting these testimonials on the podcast, and if it's okay, yes, um, I would like to use your story. Absolutely. Um, my mom had been trying to get a refinance done for years because... Uh, Years ago, her and my dad ended up uh, into a uh, home equity loan, and it had a really high interest rate on it. I mean, we're talking like 6% almost. We originally went, we tried to go with a different company. We were in with them. They were getting us taken care of, had to have an appraisal done, and there was some issues with the appraisal that we had to get taken care of before they would approve it. Got all those done. And then when we went back to them to have them finalize everything, they backed out on us. Oh, wow. Um, and they said, we're not approving anything over $125,000 now. So originally, when we started this process, my gut told me, call Conrad. And I didn't listen to my gut then. So the second time around, you know, I said, I think I'm going to call Conrad this time. We ended up working with Derek Jones. And he is absolutely a treasure. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Derek. The, the work he did for us, he was always available anytime I had a question. I could call or text or email, and he was always there for us. He met every need that we could possibly have. Um, I can't, I mean, I just can't tell you how overjoyed we. We were with the experience and, you know, I've highly recommended it to people I know. Tried to get my daughter to go get a hold of you guys about, she's looking to buy a new home here soon. And so what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. 
Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.